everyone and welcome once again to Wednesday Night Live. My name is Ron Crawford. I am the pastor of the Father's Church in Dallas, Texas, and it is a privilege to be able to sit down and study the word of the Lord with those of you who are so faithful to join every week on this broadcast. I speak a blessing over you. I know that so many of my local congregation and those who are part of this congregation remotely, that means just from a distance, uh, you listen and I appreciate that so much. But I'm also so thankful to the Lord for those of you who have stood in alignment with the Father has given to us as saints to be, to what our identity is in Him. And I just speak blessing over you and our joint mission. If there was ever a time when we needed to be ultra-spiritual and driven by the directive granted to us by the Heavenly Father to be saints. It is now. Our world, I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, there's always been unrest. There, the, you know, I grew up in a very tumultuous time in the nation's history, in the, the late 50s, the early 60s. That those were some rough times. Good things came out of it, but some horrible things came out of it. But I don't, in those 60 plus years, I don't recall a time like what we are experiencing now. I could give illustration upon illustration. The senseless and horrific shooting that happened in the Christian school in Nashville, Tennessee this week. Uh, I could extrapolate off of that the identity of the shooter, what that person's manifesto represented, why that individual targeted the pastor's daughter and the principal of the school particularly, and as well as four other innocent people um, I could talk about how the news media, instead of mourning this, tried to turn it into a political thing, and really, in so many places, including ABC News, mock Christians, mock prayer, and even point a finger of blame to those that are believing in the Lord Jesus Christ and the Bible. I thought it was interesting that last week, even, the head of the Presbyterian Church in general was coming against the, uh, the state ban on child mutilations. They, the, the head of the Presbyterian Church was saying that the, the state should not be 
doing that, that it was harming children to say they couldn't be mutilated at a young age in a hospital. Um, and then that very same affiliated church was targeted. But then the media, the uproar, and um, the pointing the blame at Christ and the Word of God. I tell you, I've never seen anything like that in this country. You know, there have been odd voices and peculiar people that would rise up and it was uh, the things that they would say I remember in the 70s when atheists would try to remove God they they were almost mocked they were given place to say things but they were mocked now the the things that are spoken are mainstream against just the elemental things of the Word of God and so I want to thank all of you, precious saints, sons of the Most High, who love the Word of God, who love Jesus, who want to serve the Heavenly Father as Christ came to redeem us to the Heavenly Father. Thank you. May you be strengthened. Let's pray for one another. Let's continue to <clears throat> proclaim covering and protection over all that God has given us. Um, I was, uh, we're going to look today at a passage that I was actually, had prepared to speak this past Sunday, and I, I believe that it is something that needs to be released. I called an audible at the line on Sunday and changed the message um, that's another story indeed. It was still a good message. It was revelatory. And it led us to communion. But we're going to look at this passage, these, this um, the scriptural about being renewed, the two types of renewal in the scripture in the New Testament. So we're going to look at that in a moment. But just in general, not only our nation, but the world, the the battle for light and for the truth of the Lord uh, uh, versus the darkness which is increasing you know the word says that darkness and gross darkness would be prevalent in our day we're seeing that now yeah it's gonna get worse but this will do till that gets here I can tell you it's terrible and, and we really ought to we look at these uh, entry points as signs and don't think that the next election or, you know, your next protest is going to change anything. This flesh and blood is not what we wrestle against. It's wickedness in high places, principalities, powers. But thanks be to God. We're more than conquerors through Christ. And, you know, I was thinking in the middle of the night, well, I wasn't thinking, this, this spirit was just flooding my mind with all of the ways that God depicts himself in the scripture. He 
is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He speaks about seeds and being a husbandman. He speaks about uh, his ways and his word and it will be fulfilled. There's always that element that faith, without faith it is impossible to please God, that whatever God has said, whatever he has begun, he's going to finish. And when Jesus said, whatever I see my Father do, that I do, and the seeing there, yes, it can mean open vision or directives in a visual sort of way. But I believe that it has more to do with the eyes of God and the ways of God. Whatever the ways of God are functioning, that's where I invest my doing because whatever God says is going to be and even the seven spirits where the ascending from judgment and burning is really a developmental thing for us as individuals and then the going back down is the the serving as sons the serving with the Lord Sabaoth to enact God's will and God's ways throughout creation. That's a circle. It's, it's a beginning point and it's an ending point. It's a wheel within a wheel and it has to do with his ways. And I, I believe that that's the greatest point of strength that we have. And you know, I've said in the past that the greatest faith I've known in my life course I believe the word I study the word I believe in prayer I study and pray so hear me but the greatest point of application of faith I've known is when I'm standing for something that the father according to his purpose has given to us as a mandate from his throne that faith that God said this and we are standing on behalf of him that is indomitable and, um, or as the French would say, formidable. What is it you say? Oh, you mean formidable. I'm not even saying it right. Luke and Sylvia are laughing at me. But, you know, the point, though, is that the greatest faith we have is to fulfill, first of all, what God has begun in us, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, and the mission that we're engaged in because the first and the last to me that's the key to any point of healing and deliverance it's like when Jesus came in and the woman was there in the synagogue and she was all bent over and he said should not this daughter of Abraham who Satan has bowed low these many years be set free on this Sabbath what a poetic picture there. The, the day that was the day of rest for the gathering of the sons and calling forth the Abrahamic covenant and should not she be liberated from this attack of the enemy that is manifesting in this body? And the whole concept of Ropha, I mean it, I was thinking and then the spirit was guiding this of the various names of God 
and in the Old Testament and how they align with his ways and how each of them contribute or insist upon the fulfillment of what God starts and they, they lead up systematically in their function and their insistence on the fulfillment of his ways. So the Alpha and the Omega, whatever, whatever is without faith is sin. You can't please God without faith. The faith is at the right hand of the throne. How God is directing and depicting that his will be done. That's what Jesus prays for that we might fulfill while he's at the right hand of the throne. Right and left promise fulfillment, promise seal of fulfillment. We have to get a grip on the, the fulfillment of what God has said. When Jesus said, don't you know I must be about my Father's business. For this purpose I came. To fulfill the one, the will of the one who sent me. What has God created you to be? What has he said our mission is? What has he promised in regard to that? That's our greatest point of faith. It's not just yanking scriptures out and saying, well, bless God, I want this and I've Stitch this verse and this verse and this verse, but the word of God will never fade away, not one jot nor tittle. And, you know, attaching the efficacy of the word to whatever we want. Now, I believe the word of God's powerful and God will honor it. God loves to bless his people. But I, I firmly believe that God is stating to us that we need to be absolutely committed to what he has begun. He who has begun a good work in you will be faithful to commit to 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 commit it um, to fulfill it to complete it and that's that's the essence so what has God created you to be? The groaning in the spirit that we talked about on Sunday with Jesus. What is your mission in God? So, let's look at renewal and then we'll talk about a couple of other factors regarding the spirit within. And I invite you to turn in your Bible to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Verses 23 and 24. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now holiness there is, is not hagias. It is the uh, devotion to a pure walk or a pure offering before God. And true there is our regular word of truth to grab on to something that has been hidden by God until this moment and then the, the, the hiding point is put away and you can present it. That's what truth is, Aletheia, without being hidden. 
renewed in the spirit of your mind. It would seem that you've got a bit of a blend there. What the, hold it now. I know what the mind is. I know what the spirit is, Pastor, but well, do you have, does your mind have a spirit? Well, that's a good question. Um, it's so much easier to focus on the key to this, and that is renewed. Because renewed there is a Greek word, ananoio, to renew or to make young, to go back to the beginning days in the intent and the agreed upon purpose, the released identity, the birthing of mission, to go back to that. And that's what this, the key to this whole verse. So if you're going to go back to the beginning or, or if you're going to insist upon the newness of the Spirit, let that guide what you think. And here is the tug of war. Here is the battleground with the enmity. The natural mind is at enmity with the things of the spirit because the mind knows. And don't shout me down now just because I'm going to preach real good. The mind knows that given time and the things that change in our natural life that we have really no control over life's going to move on. The chances are you're going to forget about what the Spirit began in you. And you're going to think that it was just for a time. You're going to think that it was just for a moment. Oh, weren't those days wonderful? The people glorify them. And you don't recognize that you need to be renewed. You need to be brought back to that newness brought back to that new. Now, neos is the root of that. Stick with me here. And we know that from the new wine. We know that from the New Testament. That's neos. Something that is intended from the beginning. Um, and we have to um, we have to make sure that our who we are as a person Verse 24, which we read, you put on the new man. Now, this is not neos. This is not the same as the renew. This is kainos, K-A-I-N-O-S, which is akin to a kairos moment. And it means that you have to recognize what God is doing now in your, in your framework, where you are, and you need to adjust to it. You put new wine into kinos bottles. So things aren't going to be the same as they were back in 96 when you were young and frisky and the spirit was moving. That's a long time ago. We've all changed since then. Some of you've gotten tired. You've gotten, you've battled certain things in your body. 
circumstances have changed. Some of you have become grandparents, great-grandparents. Some of you are, uh, uh, you know, you're past certain age now, and you think, oh, goodness. You've got to, you've got to make that person you are, the new, the new man, you've got to accommodate with what God's Kairos moment is happening because into that comes the Neos wine. Now, why would the Neos mind be aligned, the, the Neos wine be aligned with um, the renewing? Why would that be what your spirit is? Well, you know, when we first started traveling in Europe, um, we escaped the, the idiocy that I, uh, that I was raised in, where I knew nothing about wine other than that you shouldn't drink. When we went over to France, the, the French Christians, having been deluged with ministry since the latter rain preachers came in, called Coca-Cola American wine. But what I'm going for is that I recognize that certain houses, like in Bordeaux or in the Champagne region or in other parts, even in Spain, even German with Riesling, they cultivate certain um, certain vines and they know that they have been specifically kept to keep on producing what that characteristic wine should be. And to each of us, God has put a deposit of his spirit and we need to not forget what that initial calling was. It wasn't the things we do, it's the things that he put in us from the foundation of the world. And then the things we do are principles from the word of God that should not change no matter what's going on. Principles of proscuneo, being on our face before God. Principles of praying and interpreting and the various types of prayer that are clearly identified in the scripture, praying in diversities of tongues, those are scripture. So it's, it's not some fad. You should be doing those things and more. Whatever you see in the word, you have to, to recognize this is the word of God. I've got to be this got to do this. It always grieved me. I heard uh, there was a wonderful couple that came and they were pastoring and this was years ago. I had great hopes. I know the father had great hopes for them. He still loves them. But the first attacks of the enemy against what the simple, simple things of the word. The first attacks against that from traditional walks, they buckled and they told their people, okay, you got to forget all the stuff that you've been taught. How can you forget 
what the Word of God says. How can you? The progressives are really keen at this. They don't say forget it. They just try to point out errors that they feel. And so if you point out an error, then it really wasn't the Word of God anyway. And plus, you know, God is everywhere. He's the cosmic Christ. So uh, anything that's out there, whatever religion, now well, that's all part of God. So it's equal to the Word. So if you can't, if you can't destroy the Word just on the Word itself, you you eradicate the veracity of the truth of it, or you add to it and water it down. It's kind of like uh, high interest rates in the Word of God and not interest in the Word of God to where you, you know, this is what the Word is. So you add 50 other things that you say is the Word so it devalues the Word itself. It, the Word itself gets lost. Um, so you, you have to keep adjusting in your human frame and become the wine sack, that, the kinos, that you have to be, but the wine itself is always the nuos, neos, and, and it's going back to that original root, which is the deposit of the spirit within you. Do you see that? So we need to be renewed. This is one type of renewal in the New Testament. According to the Spirit, to go back to what the Spirit is in you to do. The human Spirit, God's Spirit within you, that is born again through Christ, initiated, uh, opened up. And to, um, to understand this... Um, you know, even uh, we can teach a, a lot more about Neos and Luke twenty-two twenty-six. That the greatest, the maze on the way, that the 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 spread, the megas, the maze, maze on you know, the greater works than these you'll do. We've studied this. What are you saying, Pastor? We studied this over and over again. <laughs> Don't say that. It it crushes me. The greatest will be the younger, the neos. We don't often talk about that verse. And it says, the greater among you be the servant of all. That's true too. But you can't deny what Jesus says. The greatest will be the neos. It wasn't just a slapping down of pride. All you older ones, listen to the younger ones. <clears throat> there are other words that could be described to, to talk about age. This is Neos. The way you're going to spread the gospel is to keep going back to what God has said, going back to what God has initiated, going back to that point of what He put in you from the beginning. And don't let circumstances or age or other teachings or whatever keep you from honoring what you know God did. What God put in you. What covenant you agreed to when you were all warm and fuzzy before you knew anything. That spirit is within you. You have an accountability before God to honor that. This reminds me of the Old Testament story of Caleb. Remember? He's 80 years old. 
And he said, I'm just as vibrant as I was 40 years ago. Give me this mountain. And God said, this man has another spirit. Remember what we studied about that? Another, another meant to wait, to go back, to remember, to not rush forward, but to stay focused on what has been said. And through that power, in spirit, now he wasn't born again, but God was speaking about the fact that this guy has another spirit. It's, it's what King James says. Well, how can you fault that, what the Apostle Paul carried? Joking there, for any of you naysayers who are listening. Um, Jake, Caleb remembered. Caleb remembered what God had said. And he was devoted to what God had identified those people to be. The rest of the bunch of that generation fell away. Because they griped, they complained. Every day it was something new. They were not putting on the Kainos man. We need to learn from this. And we heard at seminar about Caleb's daughter coming and asking for the, the upper and the nether streams. And this was given to her in that place where the giants had once ruled. Why? Because Caleb held on to the the spirit that he knew was from God, what God had said, regardless of what the generation felt, regardless of what the enemy said, regardless of what any other factor was, and certainly regardless of the fact that he was now 80 years old, ready to go fight. We talk about David fighting the giant with the sling. What a great revelation that was from the Saturday of the seminar. What about an 80-year-old guy going against the giants? This wasn't one giant. This was a mountain full of Anakim. <laughs> Think about that. What was Caleb's victory? Another spirit. We need to be renewed in the spirit and make our minds submit and put on the kainos body because that's how the new wine is coming. How do we keep our kainos body? Fasting is a big one. Remember I talked about many years ago that wherever Jesus spoke about the new wine and putting on uh, the new wineskin, there was always a modicum of fasting mixed in there somewhere. Look it up, you'll see it. And so... This is what, this is what God says. Um, and I, I think back of the, of the messages where, in the spirit, in the spirit, it talks about the earnest of the spirit. Second um, Corinthians, you can look this up. You have your Bible program. Look up Second Corinthians one verse twenty two. Well, actually, we can look at verse 20. For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him amen. I love that. Unto the glory of God by us. All God's, pro all God's promises are yes and amen. Oh, we can clap and sing and even pray to that, but are we living it? What is the promise of God? 
That's that announcement from the throne to us. I get sidetracked here. But God puts it forth. It's going to be, and this is the way he directs it at the right hand, that all the promises go that way so that the glory of God might be known by us. Now he which establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, who hath also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit where in our hearts the earnest of the Spirit. Now, you study that. This is not the message of the day. Uh, but earnest there is from a Hebrew word. It's Erebon. Um, Lord of the Rings borrowed from that in their writing. Uh, that name, Erebon, city, or region. But this this means a purchase. Um, a, a, you know, just like earnest money today. It's something that you invest toward a goal. It's not saving money. You know, you hope you put money away and interest will accrue and through wise application of that, you'll have a, a nest egg, as it were, and it'll grow and you can use it when you get old. And unless Uncle Joe screws up the market and you lose a whole bunch of money, which many of us did. Um... But earnest is something different. If you, you envision, I want to buy this. I want to attain this. This is, this is a goal, so I'm going to drop an earnest money on it, and then I'll work toward acquiring it. This thing, not some nebulous thing, not just a bunch more money, but this thing, the earnest of the Spirit. When the Spirit comes from the foundation of the world, that earnest of the Spirit is a sowing toward what God intends to do through you, what He intends to accomplish with you, what He intends to uh, fulfill. It is, it is a goal. It is... It is an agenda. It's like when Jude says praying in or with the Spirit, building up architecturally your most holy faith, what faith wants to do through you as a saint. You pray in the Spirit with that musterion toward God so that that plan will materialize and take shape. God's plan, not your plan, God's plan. The earnest of that is the Spirit. And it should guide the steering wheel of your life. That earnest of the Spirit should be the compass point by which all the factors of your life are directed. So you talk about the neos of the Spirit. And that's, that's really what we have. And so... I, and again, I said I wasn't going to do this, but um, you know the, the beauty the beauty of of this is that this Arabon uh, talks about um, talks about some very powerful things in the New Testament, 
it's only used three times. One is this passage. Um, then again in chapter 5, Now he that hath wrought for us, us, now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also has given us the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. We're home in the body. Why? Because he's our home. It's interesting. That's not our message for the day, but you can look these up for yourself. Uh, Ephesians 1.14, the earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession unto the ongoing praise of his glory. Wow, what a poetic declaration. You want to talk about a creed. Forget about the Nicene Creed, as glorious as that is. This is the creed of the saint right here. So, there's an earnest of the Spirit within us. What is God building? What does God intend to do through you? What has He covenanted with you to do as a person and as a representative to contribute to what He's doing in the kingdom? We have to be renewed. No matter what's going on around us, no matter how many years pass, we have to have that another spirit. Now, why was Saul given another heart? Because in kingship role, he was supposed to have his hand on the steering wheel to guide that ship forward. Hopefully, his decisions would be based upon what God originally wanted to do through those people. Does that make sense? So let's look at the other kind of renewal. Um, and that we can find in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Ah. This is good. I'm, I'm so grateful for the word of the Lord. I'm so grateful that we have the ability just to pick up our phone or devices and then study, have the resources of incredible uh, study materials at our fingertips, and then hopefully we are sowing that insight into us, sowing the themes, the concepts. Some of you say, well, I don't have a photographic memory. I just can't pull these things up. Well, what do you have? Store this stuff there. If you, if you forget things, make sure you don't forget it. Keep reminding yourself. Stir it up. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, this goes along with the kainos man, because this is aina, ana kainos, Anakinosis. This is to remember the renewing of your mind. You, you don't be transformed to the world. Don't be conformed to the world. Don't become like the world. And the world, dear one, includes your household. You know, we're in the world but not of it. You're in it. What's changing in your life daily? 
Don't conform to that. Some of you have. I'm going to pastor and meddle a little bit. You have let your household dictate who you are in the spirit. Stop that. Stop it. You're going to have to give an account for who you are. Not for what your husband does. Not for what your son or your daughter does. Not for what your dog does even. What you do. You're going to give an account for that. And you know what God gave you. Have you forgotten it? Have you mothballed it? Don't be conformed to this world. And certainly don't be conformed to what every dimwit is teaching out there. Some of it's not scriptural. It sounds good. Don't be conformed to what all the politicos are saying. Don't be conformed to fear or reactionary stances. It's easy to do that. But be transformed. Be transformed. Metamorpho. This is Jesus in the Mount of Transfiguration. That same morphing. By what? The renewing of your mind. Go, go to what in your mind God needs you to be in this Kairos moment. And function on behalf of what His good and acceptable and perfect will is. I know this is a lot, but you understand all these principles. You got to keep your mind and your physical body adjusting to what God is doing, what God is doing in this time. And but it's all based on what he put in you and the calling and the covenant agreements that you have accepted through Christ. Be that. So we keep going back to what we should be in spirit. And we make sure that our mind is submitting itself to that and to what God is doing among us. But the, the trump card of all of it is the earnest of the Spirit. And that's where you make your covenant, your commitment. Because that's, that's God. That's God from the foundation of the world. That's what Jesus came for you to be born again in. That's the earnest. That's the the planting of the Lord. That's the Spirit of God within your temple, within your tabernacle. And you make everything else align with that. That's where the new wine of your vintage is coming from. That's where the New Testament in your body and in the blood of Christ is coming from. <clears throat> so, this is a very interesting um, mandate for us. Uh, I, the only other time this renewing is used in the scripture, which some of you are already there, is in Titus chapter 3. We'll read verses 5 and 6. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. By the washing of regeneration, that's being born again by the blood and by the water, and the renewing 
of the Holy Ghost. The renewing. The renewing. This is the word. To becoming whatever the Spirit of God is requiring of you in the mind, in the body. Now look at what verse 6 says. Which he shed on us abundantly through Christ Jesus our Savior. That being justified according to grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Now this is a big answer to some of you. Well, how do I become an heir? How do I become an heir, let alone a joint heir? Well, are you taking responsibility to what God planted in you in the seeds of faith, which is what hope is, in that deep place at his throne, according to what eternally your purpose is? Are you moving forward in partnership with God in grace? Because if you do that, then you're functioning as an heir. And you do that enough, God will begin to consider you in that capacity as a joint heir. These are God's progressions. I'm not preaching the gospel of works. You don't get all this when you're born again. You've got to grow into it. You become as a baby. And then you grow. And God, your faithfulness, small things, God gives you rulership over the many. There's promotion in the Lord. This only makes sense. You know, I think a lot of times the general church doesn't like that preaching because, first of all, they don't understand it. And I know I was there. I was taught by some of the greatest doctrinal thinkers in the, the major Pentecostal movement in the state. So I know that they lump all this together in the, in the big blue blender. But the other thing is that it costs you something. It's easier to say you just have all this stuff. It's free. Well, yeah, it's free. But what is an earnest? I can guarantee you right now, if you put earnest money down on something and then you don't do anything else with it, you're not going to get that property. Is that true? Or not? So... And this, this brings me back to what God has been talking to us about regarding the river of God and the progressions that God clearly spelled out of the measurement and the promotion of the development of that river that Ezekiel saw. And we were talking the other day about that river and about the threshold. And um, the Lord showed something further about the beginning of the threshold under which the river of God flows out according to Ezekiel. And we're talking about how the how does the, we talked about the, the ankles and we talked about the knees and we talked about the loins and we talked about the streams, the waters that cannot be passed over and the measurements of the thousands and the reed and we, we talked about that. It's a wonderful study, and we looked at it. You need to go back and listen to that teaching. We'll develop it at some point. 
But the most important thing is that we see it and we live it. But the one thing we didn't talk very much about in that study was the actual threshold. And clue can be found in other points of study about the threshold, and there aren't that many in the Old Testament. One of the most notable ones was when the Ark of the Covenant was lost due to the malfeasance of Hophni, of, of Eli's sons, where the Ark was captured by the Philistines and the glory of the Lord Ichabod departed and Eli died, his sons died. You know the story. So the Philistines take it and put it in the temple of their demonic entity, Dagon. And we studied about this, how Dagon one day was found in the morning laying face down in front of the ark. The next day after they propped him back up, they come in and they find the skull, the head of Dagon, and somehow the palms of the hands of Dagon laying on the threshold. Now, Dagon is just basically either Satan or Beelzebub. In their demonic ideology, they said that Dagon was married to another being and they gave birth to Baal. Now, if you, if you go forward then, into the time of the kings of Israel by the time Ahab and Jezebel take over this whole ideology was Baal and Ashtaroth they were husband and wife in the spirit realm and Jezebel meaning a virgin dedicated to Baal was basically over all of these women who were devoted to Ashtaroth but they were virgins devoted to Baal because it, it's just crazy, these demonic things. And they're not a bunch of little gods. They're all demons. And the point is, is that there's no marriage. The Bible says, Jesus said, the angels do not marry, neither are given in marriage. And we forget that verse. So none of that stuff happened. It's all about how God releases his word, which is pronounced in the masculine, and it's received by the feminine. And this is how God functions at his throne. It's not that he's a woman and he's a man. It, he's got that capacity of release and reception, plant seed and planting. And, and, and that's the way the angelic works. They're, they were all of them. The godly angels are used to receiving the word from God. And then they are messengers. They impart it. They send it forth. And on down the structure of authority, the, in the structure, they all receive and then they send forth. They're not binary. It's all about receiving the word of God and releasing it. But Always the word of God is supreme. Now when the enemy fell, he was cut off from that flow from God. And 
So he wasn't getting any new words. The only way he can get them is by stealing from the people of God. It's the Balaam principle. Intermarry with them. It's, it's what the enemy tries to do today. He watches what's released to the ecclesia, the mysteries of God, and then if he can twist it or if he can get other people who had it to fall, then he somehow utilizes that. It's kind of like what, well, I'll just say it. You look at the Chinese military and you see the pictures we have of their jets and whatever. They look remarkably similar to what the United States has developed. I wonder how that happened. We didn't steal from them. So that's kind of what the enemy does. However, it's not as good as what God gives. It's a perversion. It's a twist, just like the whole demonic realm works. So this business of Dagon is just basically either Satan or Beelzebub, Baal. And it had to do with their, their, their crops. Dagon in the Hebrew then means grain. Beelzebub was supposed to be governing grain, but we know in the spirit realm, in their harvests, in the spirit realm, um, he deals with deposits of the estemes and deposits of the glory, and he tries to manage them and orchestrate keeping them out of the hands of God, but he won't prevail. These are all things we know. Just keep your thinking caps on. So, one day, these folks in Ashdod, they come and they see where the Ark of the Covenant is being kept on the threshold, the head of Dagon and the palms of the hands of this carved idol. And they, they say, we got to get this thing out of here. Now God smote those people and we know the story of that. But the main thing was the palms of the hand on the threshold and the skull. This is the law of the threshold. You study those few passages where the threshold is mentioned in Ezekiel. You see how the, the glory of the Lord stands over the threshold. You see how the, the, the guy who has the inkwell that's going to go mark the city meets at the threshold. You see that the prince the son of the king operates at the threshold. So this is a point of power and it, and it has to do with the palms of the hands and whose mind is controlling anything. And God sure made it clear that Dagon was not in control, that God's mind and the palms of God's hand, which the same word for the palms is the sole of the feet, is what God is going to do. Now, you go forward to the times of the kings when Ahab and Jezebel take over. Remember when Jehu comes finally to enact the, the word of Elijah through Elisha, essentially, and three, two or three eunuchs that were on the Lord's side toss her over the wall. Jehu goes in to eat and to celebrate. He says, go out and bury her. She was the daughter, of, she was the wife of the king. They come out, and what do they find? The, her skull, the palms of her hands, and her feet. Now that's not the threshold, but that this woman was um, 
instrumental in trying to bring that cult of Dagon, that cult of Baal, over all Israel. And in fairness, she did a pretty good job of it. But there's the symbolism there. This one who worshipped this very being, the dogs didn't eat the palms of her hand, her feet, or her skull. There again is that picture. So you go back to the threshold, the inception. Threshold in the Old Testament meant a going from one in grace to another, to a higher thing. Entering, leaving one point of identity and going into another. Entering into a new frame. And, and so we'll develop this further in writing. But the threshold of, the th of, of that temple in heaven, where the waters come out from, some might think, well, wait, we've only talked about to the ankles. What about between the threshold and the ankles? There is the sole of the foot. There is the palm of the hand. There is the mind of God for what that river is supposed to do. So that completes the, the, the functionality and from that, then, there's authority. Wherever you are in the river of God, by the commission of the Lord, if you have authority, it goes back to the beginning. What does God ordain for this to do? What have you partnered with in the palms of the hand in partnering with God? What are your the soles of your feet um, supposed to be gaining dominion in through that, wherever the sole of your feet treads? And that's the beginning of the process. So I come back to beginnings. You wondered if I was ever going to do that, didn't you? God put life in you through His Spirit. His Son came that that might be born again. Born according to what God originally intended from the foundation of the world before rebellion happened, before Satan corrupted Adam and Eve. God, what God intended then happens now. And that's our point of strength in dealing with the enemy. It's not about how many verses you have or how much swords you have or binding and rebuking and loosing and setting free and arguing your court case or whatever. What has God said? That's your point of power. And that earnest is in you. Keep it functioning. Keep it breathing. Pray in the Spirit. Commune with God. Let that candle shine in all the inner parts of the belly out of which the river will flow. Out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Why? Because you were ordained from the foundation of the world to represent the kingdom of God and the inception of that river from the threshold in the temple of the tabernacle of testimony is your key and from that point of your spirit flows the river. Do you see that? So we have to be renewed to go back to the new of the Spirit and make our mind submit to that.
and to put on the kainos man. No matter what's going on around you, you get with what God's doing. But that does not replace the core of God's spirit within you. Now, some people, again, gets confu get confused. God is not confused. You are God's child. He lives in you. His earnest is in you. His Spirit can come upon you. His Spirit can move in a place. You're partnering. It's the same Spirit. But it's that unique divesting, investing of God into you. The image of God. It's the same Spirit. Different facets. Endearing. What a wonderful thing our God has given. Wow. Wow. I'm so thankful for this. And I, I pray that all of us will be renewed, cherishing the gift of His Spirit within us. Fulfilling what that earnest represents, that architectural plan of God represents, the ongoing mysterion which we pray when we pray with the Spirit, the mysteries of God. I'm grateful. All of this works together. We talk about the presence, that's it. God's face. How is this developing in me and your ways? And how am I to be your representative into the world in your ways? That's the wheel within the wheel. That's his face and our face. On the one hand, we're being developed. On the other hand, we're being uh, representing his kingdom. This river from the throne that brings life. The river from the threshold of the temple of the tabernacle of testimony. That's his mind. That's partnership with the soles of your feet and the palms of your hand. Whew. It's interesting with Jezebel that the dogs are the one that ate her. But the dogs, which God says without are dogs, with all due respect to all of Jerry's dogs and Monica's dogs and everybody else's dogs, in the spirit realm, they're akin to wolves. They want to devour who we are. They can never touch that partnership with God. They can never touch that measure of the palms of the hand, the sole of the feet, or the mind of Christ within you. The best they can do is to cause you to dishonor those things and not be renewed in them. Through ignorance, through weariness, through becoming like the world, that's the best they can do. Now, with Jezebel, they ate it up because she belonged to them anyway. <laughs> um, I don't know whether... Um, I wonder what uh, those guys back in the camp of the Philistines did with just the stump of Dagon 
Did they put him in a little wheelchair? He was defeated. <laughs> he had no feet. <laughs> he had no head. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. Oh, well, we studied a lot today, didn't we? Um, we'll look forward to seeing the members of our congregation who are here in Dallas tonight for prayer at 6 and then a time of uh, impartation at 7. We're looking forward to that. But until then, uh, let's continue to study the Word of the Lord and uh, let's, uh, let's be doers of the Word and not hearers only. I speak blessing over all of you, and I'm thankful for you, and uh, appreciate so much you spending this time in the Word together with me today. Till next time, God bless and goodbye.